0: Welcome to Pastor Potluck. I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantian. with us today, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Go. Uh, My name is David Green. And uh, we're out of practice on interviewing folks. Uh, We
1: we have done this in the past. In fact, that's kind of how we started off this podcast series. Uh, But one question that we we usually do start with is, David, what is the name of the street you grew up in, grew up on, and, and what was it like growing up there?
2: Um, I grew up on Lake Vista Lane, 3407 Lake Vista Lane in Wonder Lake, Illinois, which is um, about 60 miles northwest of Chicago, just a couple miles from the Wisconsin border, thus the accent.
0: Yeah, you got a, got a note of Wisconsin, in you. Yep. Yeah. What was it like growing up there?
2: Um, it was a very good place to grow up. Uh, I was actually born in West Virginia, and we moved there when I was about four or five years old. So my whole childhood was spent there. In Illinois, it was a great place. Uh, it was it it was kind of semi rural, so we had a lot of fields and woods that we could play and build forts and spend all all day long outside, usually from sun up to sundown,
0: and uh, and it was
2: just, it was a really good place,
0: good place to live. One of the best deer hunting countries, or not countries, but yep. states in the entire country, but so regulated that yep. it's hard to do. It's hard to afford to go hunting. Yeah. yeah.
1: David Green is the pastor at Plains United Methodist Church, and he was the second preacher in our Lenten Lunches sermon series on the seven last words of Jesus from the cross or from... His way to the cross, and so uh, I want to ask you. We're going to get into that into your sermon and and ask you some questions about it, and we will post the link to the recording of the of the sermon uh, on the uh, in the comments on the on this podcast when we post it on Facebook. So look forward to that. Uh, Before we get into that, though, I did want to ask. You shared a little bit with us. I wondered if you'd share with us a bit more about kind of just your journey. To becoming a, a Methodist pastor, kind of, where did you start off? Where did you come to faith? And yeah. um, I, I grew up. Uh, w- I never went to church
2: growing up. My my family was kind of nominal Methodist. My great grandfather was actually a Methodist circuit rider. Hmm. Uh, that I didn't really find out much until I actually became a Methodist and started investigating what what that was. Uh, but, but, so I grew up totally in a secular household, and in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, uh, there was a lot of, um, there was something called, it was dubbed the Jesus Movement, or the Jesus Revolution, and there was a lot of, uh, um, of evangelical stuff going on, as well as a lot of just general religion, all kinds of. Uh, meditational stuff that was Hare
0: the yeah Empire. the heart
2: yeah all the different uh things that were popping up and and I was I was a wild child a child of the 60s we you know grew up on LSD and marijuana and and doing all kinds of uh we were doing all kinds of psychedelic um explorations from
0: Yeah, pastor potluck does not officially recommend illicit drug use. No, absolutely,
2: absolutely not. And uh, but but so we tried everything from uh, astral projection and and all kinds of goofy meditations and psychedelic stuff. Really, just we were a bunch of searchers, and it wasn't just me. It was the whole, you know, pretty much everybody in you know in that that age range in in that part.
0: I don't know what you think. What you think? You know, the image you hold of your parents is yeah, but it's that uh,
1: uh, yeah. Well, there was there was a plurality, I think, at that time. No, there wasn't. No, it's everybody. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think I I I I have studied the Jesus movement and and kind of like the uh, the hippie origins and and I I've am uh, I'm, I'm inspired and and uh, kind of intrigued by it, you know. Yeah. Would have been an interesting time to live in. Sorry, I cut you off. Go no, ahead. Because I'm fascinated how
0: right. you go from a secular household into faith and eventually yeah. your career. Well,
2: we were, like I said, we were uh, everybody in that a- era. I, mm-hmm. uh, maybe there's others that weren't, but so I might be a little hyperbolic, but it, basically everybody was looking for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, Vietnam was, was, was going on, and, and people were... You know, I was right about draft age. I, I was, I would say I was more like a hippie wannabe. I was kind of on the young, younger edge of that.
0: Hippie adjacent.
2: Yeah, when I was in high school, it was all the college kids that were all the, the, uh, the, you know, that's where the, the all the LSD and the marijuana, it all pretty much came out of the college age kid. Yeah, and yeah. then it filtered down and we were, we were a, bu- a bunch of just lost, Kids that were seeking, and uh, we we used to hang out at a little town square in a place called Woodstock, Illinois. Which, by the way, it's my only claim to fame—that's where Groundhog Day was was filmed. Bill he, Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, the even only though it's Bill
0: Murray it's, movie that I don't I don't like. Yeah, yeah. It, it
2: was it was supposed to be in um, Pennsylvania. Yeah, right? in Pennsylvania. But yeah. but anyway, that was that little town had a little town square and. And all the hippie kids we'd just hang out just basically our only function was to irritate society we the police hated us hanging around and my dad even had a a little store on the square and it of course you know he didn't like all the kids just bumming around but then some guys came down with the white shirts oops sorry the the guys uh came down to the uh the, the town square think there was three men and you know they had the white shirts and the ties and bibles in their hand Mm -hmm. and they were started to witness to the kids and most people didn't want to have anything to do with them so uh but we were you know we thought well what's these normal people doing you know down here you know that's what we called them called normal people Mm -hmm. so uh, you know we 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 listened to what they had to say and they were talking about Jesus and And it's hard for anybody to fathom, especially in kind of a Bible Belt area that you could actually grow up and not know anything about what Easter was about, what Christmas is about. Like to me, Christmas was sort of a mixture of the manger scene and Santa Claus and reindeer. So as, and so I didn't really know anything. And so when they started talking it was more just a curiosity, and I was, I think there was just a feeling of we were impressed that these guys dared to come down, and a lot of people were paranoid. Of these. They thought they, they might be policemen that were checking us out, and, but me and another kid, we said, sure, we'll, we'll go. You know, they invited us to church, and I think it was on a Saturday, because the next day, we showed up, and it was uh, an Assembly of God church, and, uh, Man, when we walked in there, I can still remember the two hymns that stuck out was uh, "Higher Ground," which, of course, loving to be high all the time. I was impressed with the words, Set and my feet on higher ground. yeah, yeah. Lord lift, up, put, Lord, lift me up and plant my feet on higher ground, and then uh, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand, and and we were so embraced by the people and. I I mean, we, I think I ran down the aisle when when the final altar call, because we just wanted, we were so hungry and we wanted um, so much. But then within probably two months, um, the kind of the the ushers in the back um, met us one morning when we were coming in, because at this time we were still wearing no shoes, bell-bottom, dirty feet, you know, hippie looking. We we were a sight, and and this was kind of a very conservative church. Everybody wore, men wore the suits and ties, but they met us and they said, "Boys, you need to start looking better. You need to cut your hair. You need to start wearing shoes, and you know the whole gamut." And very sad, we, because uh, we just we walked out and never came back. Yeah, and, and and I often wonder about the poor guys that went out and. And witness to us. Mm. I mean, they were so happy we were coming, and then somebody must have been complaining. So, so, so we left. And
0: that's such an yeah. every church situation. Yeah, too. yeah, you have those that that truly love the community and welcome your neighbors, and you have those that exist to complain. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, every other church except yeah. King First Baptist. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Yeah. it
1: happens it happens you know and it's a it's a hard thing for pastors to regulate you know because you don't want to criticize your members or whatever yeah. but
0: and not only that but a lot of the attitude in fact i was told this word for word not at this church but at my last church you'll be moving on we're here forever mm-hmm. so good luck trying to change the culture change our, yeah. yeah our yeah. ways
1: well uh the the it's interesting that you mentioned th- that you remember these hymns because music has become uh, a big part of your ministry. It seems like over mm-hmm. the years. And wh- why don't we jump to read the scripture first, and wow. then
0: before we read it, I want to mention something I noticed yesterday, and that is where a lot of pastors, especially who are in your situation, yesterday of jumping into an event that you've never even seen before. I mean, I guess you came to the one the week yeah. before that Peter yeah. did, but before this year you've never seen our linton services. Most would go right to the scripture and jump in and do a sermon. You spend a lot of time talking about who Luke may have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did why was his gospel perhaps different from the others? And I'm just I'm not really to ask you why. I think your story kind of tells us why a little bit because you came from a place of not knowing unlike most of us bible belt people, you came from a place of not knowing anything about Christianity. So the backstory is important, but uh, I just want to say I appreciate you doing that mm-hmm. because most people would just say, okay, I've been given this saying of Jesus. I'm going to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate you giving some of the ancillary mm-hmm. information about who Luke might have been and how that may have shaped his writing. So thank you mm-hmm. for doing
1: that. Kurt. I wonder if you'd read from the NASB. Uh, Our verses for today, Luke chapter 23, verses
0: 35 and following. I will. And the people stood by, looking on. And even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him some sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself now there was also an inscription above him this is the king of the jews one of the criminals who was hanged there was hurling abuse at him saying are you not the christ save yourself and us but the other answered and rebuking him said do you not even fear god since you are under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed are suffering justly for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Thus ends the reading.
1: So the, the of the seven last words, the words that you were assigned, David, were... Um, truly i tell you today you will be with me in paradise the only words jesus said in that pericope and and but it's prompted by what this penitent thief asks of him uh, remember me when you come into your kingdom and you before the sermon began you sang a song that you titled remember me and, and i didn't under, i didn't know at the time that this is a song that you wrote could you tell us a little bit about that song? Yeah, um,
2: I wrote that with another fella uh, by, by the name of Jack Gibbon, and, and we, we wrote several songs together, probably, it's been about 20 years ago when we, we, we would write songs, and, but, but um, of course it was based right out of that um, scripture, So, so when, and that's always one of my favorite songs to sing at Easter time, and usually there's no place to fit it. And when I was assigned that particular uh, that particular scripture, it's like, all right, praise the Lord, this is this I have the perfect song for it, and it's just, and um, uh, it based from from the penitent thief that, you know, um, you know there were three crosses on the hill far away, three would suffer. And died that, there that day, too, were guilty, deserving their fate. But Jesus, sweet Jesus, he died for our sake. And then, you know, the other two verses are, are like one is from singing as the man on the cross, dear Jesus, you know, I deserve my cross. My sins are many. My life is lost. But you, you, sweet Jesus, from from sin, you are free. And when you get to your kingdom,
1: remember me. Mm. So uh I can tell yeah. that that it it means yeah. a lot to you and yeah. I wonder if you could share like when you were writing this, you know, what yeah. what was so powerful about that story that? Um I think you? I think I identify
2: with it very much um as in uh you know, I I was like everybody that that if you are born again, but I just have a, a had a had and still do have a deep conviction of, of of my worthiness and and what's so great about it is it's such it's like the ultimate story of of that it's not too late
0: mm-hmm. you know
2: that that um, um, you know and, and you just want to be like when you get there Lord please please remember me mm-hmm. and um, and and usually when I would get a song, the way jack and i we had this interesting relationship where i'd say i think every song was songs that i would get the basic gist maybe the chorus and a verse and we'd record it and then i'd give it to him and a few days later he'd have it all polished and everything rhyming and and that and sometimes he'd add a verse and and so i kind of would you know sort of give him the rough cut version and then he would polish it up and and uh, um, and and we would do it, but but it just they usually would come to me at one time, and that just that whole picture of of that story. It's always been one of my top top uh, favorites. Mm-hmm. When I say a favorite story, that that uh, especially the people of my congregations, they they begin to realize that I use that term favorite for a lot of things. So, mm-hmm. but it's definitely way up there
0: in, in my desires for good stories well it impressed the heck out of me um yeah. uh i always get nervous when preachers sing yeah yeah and then yeah, that, when they're good at it i go from nervous to jealous really quick yeah. <laughs> it's not fair yeah. we yeah.
1: so there will be there, there is a, a the, the facebook records you know the the live stream so well i'll, I'll link to that if you want to listen but uh, i just i was struck by i mean i really wanted to i i've never heard the song before but when you kept Coming back to the chorus, I, I I think a lot of people in the room. We were like, well, we are ready to join in. We're well, I, I actually song.
2: think so, I heard some people joining in, and my yeah. wife and I were
0: talking about
2: that. Yeah, I said I think they some people were starting to
0: yeah uh, to uh to sing that. Yeah, um, I was digging it. Well, speaking of uh, thank you you and yesterday, there's one thing you mentioned, and you talking about the song reminded me. You mentioned your take on the words from the repentant thief actually the words were from the narrator that made you think this about the repentant thief he was saying as opposed to he said yeah and it made you think that this was almost like a prayer mm-hmm. that was a take on it that i've never heard could you talk more about that
2: yeah that was just something i noticed uh, that that yeah, in that that translation, I guess you would have to look at the actual Greek. But, but uh, in that New American Standard that I was reading, it said, and after he rebuked, uh, after he rebuked his his fellow thief, and, and then it says, and and he was saying, uh, Lord, verse forty-two. Yeah, and he was saying. Yeah, and he was saying, which to me sounds more like it was um, something like. A, Maybe an inner mantra that he that that like like it was a continual prayer, mm. um, yeah, you know uh, that, that that was not just a statement that he made like
0: a like a one-time. Because Jesus's response, it yeah. doesn't say he was saying then; it's yeah. he said to him, mm. yeah, like a one-time, yeah, perfect thing.
1: Yeah, hmm. yeah, that's a, that's a that's a super interesting. Yeah, sometimes
2: I... you'll see where Jesus will will. You know they'll be thinking of th- something you know like they're they're the that the whether it's the pharisees or somebody how they're thinking about something and then they will say jesus answered them you know where he he would just knowing their
1: inward thoughts or yeah I've, re- I've read yeah. that yeah mm-hmm. or the disciples speaking amongst themselves and yeah. jesus yeah. knowing what they were talking about responded to them yeah uh, let's see like i think going back to what court was talking about earlier you you made a distinction between luke and the other gospels and uh, and you identified that it's only in the gospel of luke where the thieves disagree yeah. uh, there and i wonder what is that um what how, what is the what is the meaning of that for you you know that disagreement
2: <coughs> excuse me
1: Well, peter that
2: what what that showed me when I, especially in Mark and Matthew, where it said that it said that both of them were hurling these insults at Jesus, and then in Luke, where it talks about how the one had had a change of heart, it shows that that change of heart—he wasn't the good thief. You know how some people dub him; he was the good thief. He was he was right there hurling abuse at Jesus, and some at some point on the cross mm. was when when God gave him the grace to have that repentant heart.
1: And uh, there's and a dynamic we, yeah. there. I've you know. always yeah.
0: wondered how we can have a good thief. Yeah, what is a good thief? <laughs> Jesus is not the thief. He's the one that leads Rob, uh, Robin Hood. Maybe. Hey, I yeah.
1: I
2: knew a guy that had his battery stolen out of his car. Yeah. And they put a $10 bill down. There. That was when batteries were cheaper. He, the, 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 he opened his hood and there was a $10 bill. So like maybe that's a good, he, he kind of paid a little money for it.
0: So. Hell again, he was <laughs> saying. Yeah. So, he, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a tense thing. It's yes, a, okay. it is. It is correct. It's a correct translation. Good, good, yeah. good.
2: The, um, if I might add too about, I started looking at how Luke Luke observed that, and, and then I, I look back about the case, you know, by, by kind of comparing th- all the, the crucifixion stories and the stories of the arrest, mm-hmm. I noticed that it was only Luke that mentioned how Jesus healed that man's ear. Mm-hmm. All the other ones mentioned how his ear was cut off yeah. by, by, by Peter. But in Luke, he, know, he, he mentions that Jesus healed the man. You know, and that's and that's that that that's a different thing about Luke. You know the, and you know like I call him the investigator. The way he 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 begins his gospel, talking about how he he did this careful investigation, so you'd know the exact. Not saying that he's more accurate, but but he was the detail guy. I yeah. think, especially in this story.
1: And I mean. he see, and Luke seems to. Uh, uh, just with the two stories that you mentioned there in the garden and then on the cross seems to portray in Jesus a care and attention to the individual um, yes. th- more so maybe than than the other gospels by healing the ear so it's not just like well this happened it's like this happened and Jesus had an opportunity to respond same with on the cross this this thief found in his heart or by God's grace the 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 desire to repent, and Jesus responded to that, you know, and, and that's uh, something that Luke identifies that the other Gospels don't. Uh, so, the penitent thief is, a, is, the, is the language that you use, and I, I sat there as I was listening to your ser- sermon, you know, the thought that came to mind is, when this penitent thief asks, remember me when you come into your kingdom, it, it just occurred to me that even the disciples, even Pilate, Herod, the chief priest, didn't understand what Jesus' kingdom was or was about or where it was. And I wonder, David, do you think this, this thief, this penitent thief, had, in addition to the grace to repent, received insight about what that kingdom might be? Like, did he get it in a way that we don't? Yeah. Or that, or that the disciples didn't get it? Or was he just hoping for any kingdom that Jesus might have just as a last ditch effort to, <laughs> yeah. what do you think about that? Well,
2: that, that's a great question and I wish I had, a, had the right answer, but in my opinion, I, I well, I titled the message, The Man Who Got It. And mm-hmm. I think he, he got, he was the one that got Got what Jesus' kingdom was about more than anybody at the time. Even though the other disciples had spent time with Jesus, and they were obviously going to have a wonderful ministry yeah. afterwards, but but it, when he was suffering on the cross, and the, the abuse was always about, well, if you're a king, you know, you know, you know, come down and and all that. But somehow he recognized that it was a kingdom. He said, "When you when you come, when you come in your kingdom." Now that's another thing that I didn't try to expound on because I don't understand the language. But what what does that mean when you come in your kingdom? Mm-hmm. My song says, "When you get to your kingdom," really wasn't accurate to the scriptures. It's I, I,
0: when, I think it, it's kind of like saying I came into some money. Yeah. It's, uh, have arrived yeah yeah, yeah. 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 um it's a, the establishment yeah. of
2: yes that's a
0: good good point. I thought that the title was genius because I thought it was a double entendre the man who got it's mm-hmm. like number one he understood number two he was being punished on a cross he got what was coming to him he yes got it. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah and it it's interesting to me just because I preached you know, we're, we're all basically preaching on the same passage of scripture mm-hmm. right and so that, last week I was Considering how I was trying to provide a contrast between the disciples arguing about who's the greatest and who will be on your right and your left mm-hmm. with this image of Jesus on the cross with these two thieves on his right and his left. Mm-hmm. right and, and and so I really love that concept that this is the thief who got it. Why? Because he's suffering with Jesus. I mean, yeah. it, it, it is for his own guilt, yeah. but he's with Jesus on the cross. Right? Yeah. You know.
0: Well, I think that's interesting too then because there are some who suffer with Jesus and still don't get it Mm. because I don't know which direction which was but if if the repentant repentant thief was on the right then the one on the left never got it even Mm. though he suffered just the same
1: yeah it's a mystery you come you come to the end and I'm not sure that I know how to uh, connect this exactly but to this concept of gentle correction, which which, which you bring from Second Timothy, uh, can you fill us in a little bit and remind us on and how how you link that and what the what do the you, meaning do of I,
0: Do you want me to read the verses? Go ahead if you've got it. Second yeah. okay. Timothy two, 2 twenty-four or twenty-five. Yeah. The Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. With gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will I also read twenty six.
1: So the the concept is gentle correction. Yeah. Tell us how you Yeah, link how that. I got to
2: that yeah. the um it was more on the notion of that, where it's he was granted. It was a gift that he was able to have that repentance, mm. because that's that's the key to, to everything. And so I went back and looked at that, and and um, uh, you know, so I would quote that as 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 the whole scripture, you know, with gentlest correcting, if perhaps he might be granted. The repentance, which leads to the knowledge of the truth, um, the knowledge of the truth. It doesn't. It's good to study. It's good to know scripture and and all that. But it's the repentance that comes to the knowledge of the truth, and that's why um, when this man was granted the repentance, and and so, but but that's a. a it's something I know that scripture, but I don't always use gentleness. It, it, yeah. It's. And I've always just loved that scripture that with gentleness correcting those that are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them that, you know, it's like you don't know for sure if if they're going to get that repentance. And I think you have to have the gentleness because you come at somebody, you know, ready to club them over the head with the Bible and, you know, that's not going to help. That repentant heart, you know, yeah. they're gonna bow up and uh, and close up. Yeah. I think well. that's
1: a, a powerful guidance. I think it's powerful guidance in in this day and age when when we seem in our society so ready to to criticize each other harshly. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I can I can think of, about Jesus on the cross. The the thieves were. Cr- not not gently correcting him, harshly yeah. criticizing yeah. him, asking him to to come down from the cross and save them as well. Not just the thieves; others who were
0: standing yeah. by were doing the same exact thing.
1: Whereas Jesus from the cross is not saying anything. Whereas he, he could have he could have turned to the thieves on his right or his left and be like, "You're about to die. You better yeah. repent," you know. Yeah. And he doesn't say that. He, yeah. he he waits and he allows the moment. And I also think about um, you know the moment you mentioned earlier. In the in the church that you attended, uh, the, when you um, you went to to this Assembly of God church for the first time, and and you were told you're going to have to dress differently. Yeah. Well, no, yeah.
0: but the first time he was loved and welcomed, yeah, and essentially just loved right down the aisle, mm. yeah. and then later, yeah, yeah, the establishment comes in there, <laughs> yeah, the ushers. court greens and Peter
1: Constantians yeah, of the world. I don't know. I don't. It's a ha- it's a hard thing to to understand or to, to know how to to do how to do the work of correction. Yeah. I think we've all had experiences yeah. where either we're in the position where we feel like we have to correct or we're receiving correction and we can't take it. I mean really we're like we're it. proud people, yeah. you know. Yeah.
2: You know, and sometimes you could see why these men that wanted to straighten us out and get some shoes on our feet and all that you can't really blame them because they were probably hearing hearing it from some people that was this is really upset and glad sorry or or yeah the Grandpa built yeah yeah and, and so in a way you could say well they're just they were trying to to uh, to right the situation but it it, it, it didn't work
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I think to me it, it comes back to what's our goal, yeah. right? You know, uh, and, and I think that is something that gets confused very oftentimes in churches. Uh, there's this goal of of being the church that we think we're supposed to be, which maybe is is something is an idea that's handed down from generations that and, you remember from childhood, right? Yeah. And then there's the I think the, the the more important and overarching goal, which is. Helping people find Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus Yeah, and we lose sight of that being the only goal that we should be caring about Yeah in in the midst of all this other stuff
0: one of my favorite phrases from seminary was That the Christian Church has become so Christian that Christ would no longer recognize it Mm. I think that's one of the dangers that we get when we try to remake the church into our image instead of letting God lovingly correct us and show us what the church should be and could be Yeah, and sadly we, we get married to these ideas of what we think it should be yeah. and how we define it and we lose sight of the yeah. Christ in Christian churches yeah. and what, one of the parts of
2: that why I like that scripture was the, the way the penitent thief he felt the um, urgency to to correct the other thief. Mm-hmm. Now he might not have been doing it in a gentle way, but but he he saw that, and I love the way he said that we're he said we're receiving what our just punishment,
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: and he said but this man did nothing wrong so. I think he got it. He understood that we've got to repent, and he was trying to to instill that same thing. So it wasn't like he just didn't do anything, and then he gets to go and have heaven rewarded. He was he was witnessing, you know, like like good Christians should do.
0: You know, that kind of brings us to Jesus' statement, and it's one that I don't think we pay enough attention to in the various circles in which I run, and that is Jesus' words. Um, that's a pretty authoritative statement.
1: Verily I tell you, today you will be with me today in paradise. Today you will be
0: with me in her- paradise. How, how do you know Jesus? Yeah. Okay, well, because he's got the authority. We don't, we don't look into that enough. Yeah.
1: I, I notice, uh, you know, talking about correcting, the one thief trying to, correctly, to correct gently or not, rather, the other thief. He, this is something that he does before he asks Jesus, to remember uh, him. Good point. And that's
0: maybe because he may be continually asking him.
1: It, possibly, but I just it it seems to me, you know, none of us, well, maybe some of us have received this like verbal confirmation. Yes, you are definitely going to be with me in paradise today. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think all yeah. of us would love to hear that from the mouth of God. It'd be helpful. Yeah. And then I don't know how that would change my life, but uh, most of us actually find ourselves in the position of this penitent thief, where we're not, we we don't know whether we will be granted uh, forgiveness and admission into God's kingdom, but we hope for it, yeah. we long for it, and in our longing, in our hope, it changes how we act and yeah. how we see the world, and that's what's happening for him even before. Yeah. He asks directly yeah. for admission into that kingdom.
2: Yeah, that reminds me of like when Peter was convicted of his sin. I think it was when um, Jesus said to to cast, a, you know, push out in the deep water and, and let down your catch, and how he he told Jesus, he said, depart from me, you mm-hmm. know, and and I think sometimes there's a repentance. It's not even, a, well, forgive me so I can get to heaven. It's like. Look at I'm a man of unclean lips. Get out of here. Get away from me. Mm-hmm. And, and and so maybe this man was, was repentant even if he didn't go to paradise, you know, and he, he but he got it for sure. That, that he,
0: he needed to repent. That's an important phrase that you just uttered. What what if there was no payoff? Yeah. Would we still want to repent? Would we still want to yeah. follow this guy yeah. if there was no paradise being offered? Yeah. I think for most of us the answer would be no, if we're being yeah. honest. Yeah.
1: And yet I think that the you know, as Christian people we we if we go if we get if we're too confident that we know I'm saved.
0: But do you know that you know that you know? <laughs> <laughs> then
1: then what is the motivation for like continuing the work of a Christian of like reaching out, helping, gently correcting, um I feel like that in that unknowing or that uncertainty or that longing, that hope that we have that is not necessarily fully confirmed. There is this motivation. I think sometimes Christians uh, gets becomes too convinced that we're that we're on our way to paradise that they lose motivation for the they work. They shouldn't that, though, and this yeah. is
0: one of the conundrums that I've found with with Calvinism or Arminianism, or
1: All right, go ahead and (laughs) have your moment, (laughs) Carl. That's
0: where most of us who look at it from an Arminianist view would think, "Well, if you're a Calvinist and you believe in predestination, then what's the point in doing any missions?" Well, the Calvinists did more missions than pretty much anyone else, Mm. and you wonder why. And that is, it's not just that I hope to receive salvation. But even if I know I have received it, then my actions should be governed out of gratitude for it. Mm. So there's still a motivation to serve the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So that's my take on that.
1: Yeah. Which brings us back to this concept of gift. You know, this that that this was this is a gift that Jesus is able to offer, even from the cross, to this to this penitent thief. And
2: for him to. To to do that in the midst of all his suffering, mm-hmm. to still look to the individual, mm. you know, is just amazing.
1: As we follow Christ and try to to uh, shape our lives um, in, in, into the image of Christ,
0: like a cruciform life, how
1: do we how do we do that? How do we stay present to the? Uh, Responsibility we have as Christians, even in the midst of our own suffering. I mean, so it's well, so easy to become very tunnel vision when when we're going through something,
0: and yet we need to be able to see the suffering of others in yeah. the midst of our own suffering. I think I may have just said again what you said. No,
1: but it's just, a, I mean that that I think that's what inspires me about this. Like you said about Jesus, uh, he's able to stay clear about this opportunity that he has to you know welcome even one more person into the kingdom yeah. even in the midst of his own crucif- crucifixion crucifixion so. yeah david uh, i think we've already been talking about good news but i, I want to give you a chance to sort of just really um lay it out there for us what is the good news of this story
2: um, I think I probably already said it before, but of course it's the the the, the notion of it, it's it's not too late. You know, it's 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 never too late as long as you're you're still living, and and just the um, just a, more of a, another glimpse into the, the beautiful love that Jesus has for us and had for the penitent thief. Even um, you know, I think a lot about First Peter and how the whole book is all about suffering and and how that when when he was reviled, he didn't you know he didn't lash back and he but he Jesus kept entrusting himself um, to the Father and and just just uh, he's the supreme example and I think the good news is that um, that we can be like that penitent thief and and begin to um, to, to gently correct others uh, you know where we realize that look at we, we we all deserve um, the the punishment for our sin and uh, but um, you know but but through repentance to christ uh, we we can be with him in paradise
0: and uh, i think it's easy for us to look at this story and come away saying okay i'm supposed to be the repentant thief but it's a lot harder to look at it and say, okay, I'm supposed to be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I'm supposed to forgive those who are not even asking for forgiveness and who are guilty. And I think that might be a challenge going forward to go beyond what we're comfortable with, which is saying, I'm that thief on the cross, the good one. Hmm. And instead, um, I'm the one Peter says is the good thief on the cross. I, I want to yeah. be more like Jesus,
2: and I think that's where that gentleness comes in. You know, if we want to just correct those, we can just say, "Look, you know, you're you're you know, you're going to, you're going south here um, in a hurry." Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but 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 the gentleness that that has that that element of mercy with gentleness to correct those. You know, and, and uh, that's that's showing love and that's that i think that's what can really reach people mm-hmm. you know we can say look it. you know it's i know this is difficult but um but, but god can can grant you the same repentance
1: we've spent time talking about the penitent thief and jesus on the cross and i'm s- sitting here thinking yeah sometimes we're neither of those we're the <laughs> we're the other thief the one yeah getting what and, he and how how do you know, even in our Christian walk, how do we remain open to the possibility of, co- of being corrected? That's a hard thing. It's so hard. Uh, because it, the reality is that we all get it wrong sometimes.
0: Yeah. And the, the other reality
2: is that correction offends yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and what's that great song, It's Hard to Be Humble When You're Perfect in Every Way? It really is. I do not know
0: this song. You don't know, know that song. Did you
2: write that one, too? No, no. I'd be a rich man if I did, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Tell me you've heard that, Peter. So, oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when I've you're, heard the, when I've you're heard perfect in every way. I have, I
1: have we'll have to find oh, a YouTube video and link it oh, in, the, in, in the comments yeah. there. So, so
0: um, <laughs> we are out of time. I do want to really quick say, so that people don't think I'm making fun, for more on Peter explaining how Jesus is the thief on the cross, the good thief that's, that can be found in our last episode, mm-hmm. which was last week. And I do want to say a very special thank you to David, the incredibly talented talented songwriter who has joined us today. Anything else, Peter, David?
1: Thanks so much for being on the show. I thank you for the invitation.
2: It's wonderful. I hope I can join in on some other ones. Pretty much the only
0: requirement is that you're a Methodist. Yeah, 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 that's not a requirement. Court but green, it seems to be pastor of, out.
1: Faster
2: yeah. of the Baptist. It's church. nice to be in the majority, though, isn't it, Peter? Usually, <laughs> you know, you, you feel like We've done a one, sheep one of, show.
0: Yeah, and it was with uh, Jim McConnell. Oh yeah. Where Peter was outnumbered, and it was two Baptists and a Methodist. Yeah. But Jim McConnell's like a Baptist light.
1: You know. <laughs> well, you're most welcome to join us on the show at any point in the future. I'm sure we will extend the invitation. Uh, For Pastor Potluck, I'm Peter Constantian.
0: I'm Court Green and we've been joined by David Green without the E.
1: Yeah, without the E. Peace. Uh, We'll see you next week.